Hey, I'm Will Lavise. He's Eric Claville. You're tuning into Lavise and Claville, where we tell it to you straight the way it is from a black male's perspective. So let's get right to it. Today's show, the black tax and home ownership. For generations, black homeowners have talked about the double standard of how our homes are often devalued. Most recently, Charlotte Duffy of Indianapolis had her home appraised at $125,000 and 110,000. But then when she removed all of the black pictures in her homes, other elements that would reveal what her race is, she had another appraisal done. And the appraisal came back at 259,000. Now, how do you go from 110 to 125 up to 250,000 of the appraised value of your home? So what she's done, because she knew that something was wrong here, is right. she filed a complaint against mortgage lenders and appraisers with the Fair Housing Center um, in central Indianapolis. And Claville, you know, both of us homeowners, been homeowners, know this oh too well that, you know, you, you want the American dream, which is to own a home, but you also have to think in terms of, okay, I may have to sell this home at some point, so all of these kinds of things come into play in purchasing a home, location, all of the normal things for everybody else. But then when you're an African-American, when you're black, there's this additional element of what's this tax? How am I going to be taxed um, when it comes to the value of my home? And this has been going on for generations. And this is just the latest uh, case yeah. Absolutely. You know, Will, you know, when we take a look at all the strides that we've made, mm -hmm. you know, in the positive direction as it relates to addressing discrimination, oppression and suppression, especially of African-Americans, Black people in this, in this country. Right. You know, there's still, when you hear stories like this, you know, there's still... <laughs> absolutely. I mean, there's still a lot that we have to do, and we continue to peel back that perverse proverbial onion and say, hey, you know, there, there are issues not just in education, not just in voting, not just in healthcare, what COVID-19 uh, exposed as, as it relates to uh, just the healthcare system itself, right. in, in maternal health, but also there's issues in housing and more specifically housing appraisal. Okay. Now, for you and, and people don't want to believe this. And this is the thing that's right. crazy is that we've been talking about this and saying this for generations. This is actually this latest case. This has been other newspapers. This was in the Indianapolis yeah. paper. This has been other newspapers, other, other cities where this has happened. It's been talked about. But people don't want to believe it. And this is, you know, going to the heart of what we talk about with systemic racism. How do you jump from, you know, 125K? Yeah. Up to 259k just by removing some pictures in your in your home. No, Will, that's that's actually over double, right? <laughs> so when we talk about appraisal, all right. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who are, who are not homeowners, the appraisal of your property is extremely important. Extremely, it's extremely important. important because that your wealth is your your net wealth is based upon that appraisal. Mm -hmm. If you have, if you own a home, just think about it. So she owned a home. It was valued at 110, 125,000, which is, which is. She knew it was way undervalued. She's, she's pouring into her home. This is a primary investment for her because we know as African-Americans, 
who have been locked out of the larger economic system for yes. generations yes. and couldn't really uh, invest in stock, couldn't really, oftentimes had land taken from us. So a lot of us now, since the 1960s and being opened up into the broader community, being able to purchase homes and so forth, a lot of our wealth That's is right. oftentimes tied up in our homes. So this is this is major for this is not just discretionary income for no. African Americans. This is no. this is this is major. This is so, this like you it. said, the appraisal is saying this is what your home is is valued at potentially could be sold yeah. for. And so, Absolutely. the bankers when they're looking at giving a mortgage on the loan, what they're doing is they're taking a risk. They're saying we're going to loan this money to you. Your home is essentially collateral to us. So they're looking at what is it appraised at to know how much yeah, that right. they stand, right, that they stand to, to win right. or lose. You know, Will, when you mentioned, you know, our net worth, you know, homeowner, one of the issues surrounding addressing uh, historical discrimination is, is economics. And, mm-hmm. and you know, economics and education are the my main two. That's right. Yep. When we talk about... At this point, they are the main, you know, it is the, 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 the issue. The, the two main issues. America. Yeah. Because without, without education, economic upper mobility is almost impossible. And, and then it leads to poor health. And then without your, without the, your, your health, you've got nothing. Right. Absolutely. It, 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 it's a down spiral, right? Mm-hmm. And it spirals out of control, not just for that moment, but we see it spirals out of control for generations. Right. You know, to get out of that rut. So think about this. She's got a home that's valued $125,000. Mm-hmm. That asset now, that goes to her net worth, depending on what type of loan she has upon it, that subtracts from that. Right. Also, that takes away from the amount of money she's able to leverage in a in what we call a HELOC, home equity line of credit. Right. Or that she's able to leverage in another investment in order to pull money off of that to pay for education to pay for a down payment on another home or rental property or to invest in her business. People, I mean, as as Americans, our homes are so important because a lot of us are not cash rich, but we're asset rich or asset wealthy. That Mm -hmm. simply means the things that we own, that we have, are valued so highly that our our value is, is, is appraised high. Now, Let's let's look at what that value was. You said two hundred and fifty nine thousand. That's over double. All mm-hmm. right. First of all, that is disgusting. That is disgusting. That you take one black person out and put a white person in. Perception, not perception. 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 Didn't change. Didn't change anything about the bones of the house. <laughs> didn't change anything about the pipes. Didn't change anything Nothing. about the neighborhood. Nothing. None of those things changed. So just change. The pictures from the walls to moving around. You know, it, ironically, they kind of reminded me. It's crazy of the of the O.J. Simpson case. Oh, they talked about. They showed in the movie when they had the jurors come through the home, and his his attorneys were like, put put uh, oh. pictures of black folk and different things on the wall because they wanted the jury as they were coming in because of the majority of of a good a number of the jurors were black, were African-Americans. So they wanted him to, 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 to get that perception. Again, I'm honing in on what you just said about perception. They wanted that perception to be that OJ was very much Absolutely. a part of the black community as opposed to the other very much perception 
of him having, you know, excommunicated himself from the black community. Because the reality in his home was that all of those pictures and all those things in his home were were of a uh, were of uh, white people, people who are primary in his life. But it just shows how perception is the reality. And in the case of home ownership for African Americans, it has real real substantial consequences. You mentioned something about education, which is key. I wrote a book, co-wrote with my uh, brother some years ago, we did for the Tom Joyner Foundation. Tom Joyner presents How to Pay for College, geared towards African-Americans, right? And one of the things that we talked about in the book of how to pay for college Mm -hmm. is to leverage the wealth, the asset that you have in your home. Instead of taking out parent plus loans instead of taking out additional yeah. student loans to take out, like you just said, a home equity line of credit, you can use towards education, paying for your child's education. Cause That's if right. your co- if your home continues to appreciate in its value, it'll absorb that. Cost. It'll, it'll it, absolutely. So you've got people all over the country who have had home ownership as an asset that they can tap into for generations that have been paying for education for their children, their children's children, through tapping into that asset, as opposed right. to paying and having to take out loans. And now and we, know, we know the loan, the student loan situation is totally out of control. That's right. And Will, we saw that happen in the housing bubble, where a lot of individuals borrowed on their homes for that exact reason, which is, again, what a lot of people borrow on. You know, you pull out you pull out home equity line of credit or take out what they call a second mortgage mm-hmm. uh, to make home improvements, to raise the value, to add an extra room, to build a mother-in-law suite, to build right. an office, which some people are doing because we're working from home now. You know, with COVID-19, it showed us that we can do more from right. the comfort of our homes than we can in the office. Uh, so all of these things do play a part. And the historical issues are catching up to us because we... We're not solving the root problem. And here's what I mean by that. You know, the, his, the valuation of Black properties and white properties goes all the way back to the discriminatory practice of what we call redlining. That's right. You, you have practices where white properties are valued much higher than Black properties. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is that the, the appraisal of these properties actually diminish the value of that property, and it also diminishes the tax base with housing discrimination that you can pull from those properties in order to pay for schools, in order to pay for services in that particular area. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a reverberating effect when you take a look at just this one issue, one issue of appraisal of property. In other words, whose property is valued more? Now, let's take it out from property and look at, look, at, look at lives. We see now through Black Lives Matter movement, we see through the death of George Floyd and also Maude Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and the list goes on and on. And I'm, I'm just going to name a few other, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, uh, and those who have died, Michael Brown. All these individuals who have died, we saw where their lives were valued less right. than somebody white, right? Absolutely. So it's, is, is the appraisal based upon perception. So now, how do we correct this thing? So what, what's happening now is that when you go into the system, the appraisal system, that means every single assessor of property in every single municipality has to get a grip on, in, on their issues of historical discrimination redlining. 
mm-hmm. you know, that's that's part of reparations. And we're we're doing a series on reparations. Right. right. Know, those those listeners, you want to hear that series, just go go to our podcast and pull up that the very series. As we're starting to do a series on what's called the black tax. We're dealing with housing ownership now. Right. So we got to go back, all the way back to every municipality and deal with that. Secondly, Will, we got to deal with the appraisal issue of discriminatory practices with the, 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 the housing industry. So housing appraisals, as a matter of fact, and I'm reading an article from homes.com where it talks about how to compact, uh, uh, combat discriminatory practices. Douglas Chrysler, who's the president of the American Society of Appraisers, he said he believes that the most direct way to solve the problem of what we call grandfather valuations in white and black neighborhoods is to encourage the broader use of two valuation approaches. One, the cost approach, which bases a property's value on the cost of replacing it. And two, the income approach, which uses the rental rate for a property based upon the current rental market. Now, there are some additional steps that he talks about to address okay. racially biased appraisals, working together with training programs for appraisals and so forth to address, quote unquote, unconscious bias valuations, which I know is 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 good for team building purposes. Right. But, the, you know, but you and I both know unconscious bias is, 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 is a feel good word in a lot of ways based upon how we've been trained, how we've been uh, taught and how we've been programmed. To think about who's who's value higher than who's value less. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a key key point because this appraisal, in many of these cases, not just this Indiana case, but it comes down to an individual, right, yes. who is coming to your home, and they have guidelines by which they determine the appraisal. That's right. But very much it comes down to that individual. And as long as they can justify the numbers that they're using within the guidelines, that is where the decision lies. And so there also has to be some kind of stopgap in here that addresses how one individual can have that much power in an individual's home and how it's appraised from one home to another. That's right. And again, there's there's latitude. You you want to believe that people are trained and they're operating from a fair set of standards. They're going into all different neighborhoods, but still with these same kind of standards, right. the same kind of criteria. But how else do you explain this? That she she got a hundred and ten thousand dollar appraisal, and then she gets a two hundred and fifty nine thousand dollar appraisal. Right. These appraisers, they both went through the same kind of trainings and the same kinds of education that enables them to have these jobs. How do you get such a broad disparity? They've got to be able to address that aspect as well, because that's where the tax comes in. And a lot of these things are unspoken about how a particular neighborhood will be treated at a particular time, a particular home, at a particular block. All these things. They change it. How is it people need to stop and, and ask themselves, how is it that gentrification even occurred? Oh, if it's such that the homes themselves are being judged fairly, how is it that one day 
the same building, right, is now valued higher because the people who live in or around that building uh-huh. have changed. This is where the systemic racism we That's see it. Absolutely. How is it? How Absolutely. is it? If the building didn't change. No. You know, no. If the pipes in the no. building didn't change. And not at all. How do you justify this? And we can see no. this, for example, I remember when I used, we lived in the in the Norfolk Hampton Roads area where you're at, because I used to live, well, I used to live in Suffolk. I lived in Hampton. And I remember driving around, actually not far from where you work in Norfolk State. If you look at the homes in the Norfolk State area, right? That's uh-huh. predominantly black community. Those are the same, a lot of times the same builder who developed yeah. homes in another yeah. part of the, another part yeah. of Norfolk or in Virginia Beach. They're the same homes. They're the same, similar builder, had to meet similar standards. Uh-huh. How is it that the homes in one area are, uh, are far less than the others? And I can tell you that a lot of times what would even happen is the realtors themselves would guide me into particular neighborhoods. Would say, uh-huh. well, you know, we should look at a home over here. And this particular name, and I'm like, but why? My my criteria for where I'm trying to live at has to do with convenience. It has to do with you know access to where you work, the highway to where I work. Why are you gearing me towards this particular predominantly black neighborhood, uh-huh. right? Why are you doing that? And I think that part of the solution has to be, as you said, looking into the industry itself, the appraisers, the the um the the brokers. All of this because they have a lot of power within yeah. the guidelines that they have to operate based on their perception. They have a lot of power to shape how things are valued, where people right. live, and what they're able to do. Well, you know, that that example brings me, that experience that you just brought up, your real-life experience brought up a memory of what well, white flight, the history of white flight. After desegregation, white flight took place. So there's a perception that blacks are moving into the neighborhood. Number one, the number one issue was decline of property value. <laughs> right. That was the number one issue. Not that not that we want to help, you know, bring, you know, heart, not just racial harmony, but humanity, you know, to the past sins of our fathers or, or uh, a system that we benefit over. But how do we protect our property value? That's how important valuation and appraisal property is in this country. Right. But but doing that, doing what happened during white flight, I remember where there were individuals and the real estate company were actually the perpetuators of this. The builders, the realtors, mm. the appraisers, all of them were involved in it's the chamber covers. And the bankers, yeah, and the bankers. And, and, and the bankers. Mortgage exactly. companies, yeah. That full circle. So what happens is you have a group that says, hey, we want to build suburbs out in this area. Mm-hmm. So now we have to encourage these individuals who are in these white individuals in these areas to come out and buy. So we we'll, we'll attach a fear to it. Blacks are coming in. You better move out. We got this neighborhood up here. They're going to destroy your schools and all that good stuff right? Or bad stuff. And then, so they move out. But then you have the realtors talking to Black families saying, hey, you know, you want to get into this neighborhood? They're opening up. It's a good neighborhood, good schools and the like. So now, and then those those Blacks are charged a higher rate 
for their homes in, that are lived in by whites. And then those moving to the suburbs are given a, a, a premium in order to leave and to move in. Right. And then to, to complicate, to compound the issue, you've got now the federal government participating by stating that any you cannot sell these homes, nor can you transfer the homes to anybody black. If you do, then you'll lose the, uh, the, the, the backing of the banks in order to build a neighborhood and the like. So realtors couldn't sell the homes to anybody black. Right. So now, and there's many stories that are documented, more specifically, there's a story about a professor in, out in Palo Alto where Stanford is located. You had one black professor that wanted to move into this neighborhood in uh, outside of Stanford University. And the, the builder was going to lose the backing of the, of the bank, of the government, if they sold that house to that one black professor. Now, right, this, and this is a professor. This is somebody who's got a got education, who's got a good job, good income. Hired, hired by Stanford as well. Hired by Stanford. So, so now, so if somebody like that can't get a house. Sound right? like a black tax to me. It, it is a black tax, absolutely. So, and a matter of fact, I want to bring up another quick point. We were talking about the black tax, right? According to this article, again, by Holmes.com, it stated that in predominantly Black and, and Latinx populations, study found that between 1980 to 2015, the average appraised values fell by $22,000. Hmm. While the average appraisal home in increasingly white neighborhoods at the same rate rose by $73,000. The difference in an average home appraisal between a majority white neighborhoods and those that are majority black and Latinx was $164,000 in 2015, up from about $86,000 in 1980. Now, if you take a look at that number, Will, Mm. and you use that number and base it on 259 minus 110, Mm. we are right there. Where this average is. Mm -hmm. So this study brings real life appraisals and gives it credibility to this particular individual, yeah. And discrimination. So 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 think about that, Will. This wasn't just a oh, an average appraisal, but obviously it's within a a number that appraisals are playing by to say, hey, if we do this, then maybe you know, we'll be okay or eyebrows won't be raised, right? In order to keep property up. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's being done, but I'm just saying the numbers are so close together, which proves the point between a study. Again, you can go to uh, homes.com and take a look at that study. Uh, it's, the, um, it's the article itself. It's entitled uh, Real Estate Appraisal and Race, the History, the Now, and the Future Under Fair Housing. And you'll see where that study is located. You can go to it. Of course, I also reference um, a Chrysler's study as well. Uh, his recommendation, Douglas Chrysler, who's the president right. of the American Society of Appraisers. You know, and something that you said earlier, again, these studies, they're not just coming from Mars somewhere, but they're bringing real documentation to real life anecdotal situations that absolutely are happening out here that I know I've experienced, you've experienced, others have experienced. And 
you said something earlier about the impact on education that's so important. If you continue to fund education based on taxes in a community, in a tax base, and you devalue a person's home, if there's no substantial business tax base in that community, then obviously you're going to see a decline in the funding for the schools. Right. Exactly. Oftentimes, you're gonna, there's a correlation. You're going to find a correlation oftentimes. Different studies will show you different things, but I don't think too many people will debate that if you begin to lose funding in your schools, that that is going to have a negative impact on the quality of education. To what degree, you know, we can, we can debate that, but no one in their right mind is going to say, look, let's just snatch out funding for schools. And And it won't have an impact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it won't have an impact. So when you see schools in majority black neighborhoods uh-huh. not performing at levels of other neighborhoods, majority white neighborhoods that are affluent. This is one of the elements that is at play. One of the key elements that are at play. It's not the only one. There are other elements that go on. Yeah. yeah. But this is one of the key elements that's at play. And as you said earlier about coming full circle, all of these issues begin to feed each other. So oftentimes, I know when I had children, the number one criteria for when I chose a home, an area I wanted to live in, as I moved around the country, being a journalist, one of the number one things I would look for is the same thing you look for, Eric, which is where I want to go with the best school district. Absolutely, schools. Absolutely. So that's the that's the criteria that I'm looking at because you yep. want the best for your children. That's right. So all of these things feed each other. If you have a poor school district, chances are the tax base for funding those that school is probably declined compared to to others. And when you see these real life experiences of how the perception of someone because they're black then their home is to be devalued. You can see why black and brown communities get the kind of results in terms of education or in healthcare and other areas. You see why the disparities are there. The bottom line is that our lives are not valued equally. And this can, and this is at the root of it all and at the root of this nation. And it continues to be the issue of why fighting systemic racism, undoing it, is very is it's the core that's that's um that's vital for us to 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 make a difference in. Now, if you truly want a society where people have an equal opportunity yeah. to prosper, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we talk about you know at the core of of, of addressing these issues, the Fair Housing Act in 1968, which was the major legislation, civil right. rights legislation to address discrimination in housing passed. Um, but unfortunately, according to a recent Homes.com survey from this article, it says 60% of respondents stated that they do not know how to report fair housing law violations mm. or concerns. Mm. So if you feel like you've been a victim of racially biased appraisal practices, you can file a complaint through what's called the uh, U.S. Department of Housing Urban, Urban Development, known by the acronym of HUD. By doing that, you now raise the issue and can get an investigation. But again, many people, not, they don't know how to, how to file. 
But at the same time, persons really don't know that they're being discriminated against. How many times have you had a high credit rating but been uh, turned down for a home loan or maybe a credit or something of that nature? So you never know what's happening. But I will say this, that, you know, make sure that you do your investigation. Uh, Make sure you look at your community banks, your credit unions, and also uh, big banks and determine which is the best uh, option for you. But again, you know, with this, we continue to not just bring light to these historical discriminations, uh, but also how far have we come? What are the solutions where can we go further? How can we correct it? And understanding how these things tie together, because you mentioned HUD. Well, becomes very important who's running HUD. You understand? So you, that's not just something that you just blow over. Uh, doesn't matter because this is this is a key government agency that's in the mix of, of potentially uh, bringing solutions to this problem that has very real, very real generational, you know, consequences. What you know, we do, Will. And Will, that's very important because we talked about the Nixon administration and uh, Mitt Romney's father, who worked as the HUD secretary during that time mm-hmm. period, that was very instrumental in exposing the discriminatory practices of the Nixon administration through policy right. and using the case study of Baltimore. So we talked about that before. Go take a look at our podcast in the past and, and hear our discussion on that. But we're going to continue to bring out these issues. Uh, this is our first installment of the, of the, the Black Tax Series. Uh, make sure you tune in and follow us on social media at LaVise and Claville. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like, share, and let us know what you think. So until then, until next time, according to us, LaVise and Claville, that's the way it is. We'll see you next time.